Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I'm Rich Trapier. And this is episode 31 of History on the Table. Rich, can I can I offer you a drink or is that going to send you into a, a tailspin? Uh, no drinks for me tonight. No drinks? <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, recovering. I'm, yeah. I'm drinking water right now. Yeah, I got to go back to work tomorrow for the first time in a week and a half. I'm not looking forward to it. So You took, you took the buffer day, huh? I did, yeah, absolutely. Monday is is uh, always a busy day for us at work anyway, and I just after you know being off for over a week, I didn't I didn't want my first day to back to be Monday. If uh, if folks are clueless what we're talking about, Rich just got back from sunny Texas where he attended Advance After Combat Con AAC Con. Yeah, it's good thirty, good thirty degrees warmer there too. Oh, but we're having beautiful weather here. Like it's although we had we had tornadoes yesterday and we had tornadoes today, which is this is not tornado season for us. Yeah, so that was actually kind of cool because the the there were in Missouri yesterday there were a couple different. It was all one system, but there were two different main areas. But one of the tornado systems was just south of forty four. And as I was driving up forty four to come home yesterday, like the almost the entire time I could see it off in the distance, but we never actually got it. So. I was just watching it. It's it's a uh, it's a good time of year. Love this weather. We had a we had an outdoor hockey party uh, to kick off the season, and it got down to like fifty degrees, and just had the fire going. We're we're gonna cram in one more camping trip this next weekend, and nice. I just love this time of year. Yeah, we haven't gone anywhere for camping. We've camped in the backyard a couple times, um, but we haven't gone anywhere. It's not was the it- same, but it's it's okay. It's got its benefits. For sure, yeah, heck of a lot easier. We should have probably tested that, but uh, we can talk about that <laughs> later because we're here to talk about war games and other stuff like that. Um, before we get to Rich's AAC Con after action report, why don't we talk about some games? Because I was pretty excited to, to see this uh, Thunder at Dawn from Revolution Games, right? Yeah, yeah. I think we both picked up that one. Um, it just kind of popped up on the the. Did they? Was that a? What did Revolution, they, did they call it a sale or was it just like, hey, here's some games? I can't even remember, but I, I remember seeing that pop up and, and it was, you know, from seeing it on the website to being at my door in, what, two weeks? Yeah, they have great, great shipping. Mine actually showed up today. Yeah. Um, it was their Halloween sale or October sale. Is that what it was? Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so that is another entry in the Blind Sword Systems. Listeners here, we played uh, Thunder in the Ozarks. Yeah, so you said you just got yours today. I got mine actually right before I left for Dallas. So I haven't played it, but I did just look at the map, and it is it is a Rick Barber map. It for is sure. a Rick Barber map. <laughs> Rick Barber map for sure. Yep. I love the cover though, and so there was another one that came out as well. Um, I did not get it, and that was the day was ours, which is first bull run. Yeah, there were a few on there. That's Thunder of Dawn is the only one I picked up. Yeah, and those are, well, those are both. I guess there's a whole sale on their website. And then right. there were two new releases, two new blind sword systems. So okay. the day was ours, and then uh, Thunder at Dawn. Okay, I didn't. I guess hmm. I didn't even realize that this was new. I just saw oh, yeah. it pop up, and I bought it. So yeah, um, brand new, brand spanking. Okay. We were just cool. talking beforehand about and uh, I drove what game right we were going to Wilson's Creek on my way. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say uh, we were talking about what we we're going to play in when we meet up. Maybe Thunder at Dawn. Yeah, that'd be a good choice. Little Missouri battle for you there. Uh, yeah. So, did you get anything else in the sale? Nope, that's the only one I picked up. So i I've talked about Michael Ranella area impulse games before. 
I don't need to go into it. I, I generally like them. I just don't like the combat resolution. I think they're pretty well-designed games. There was another area impulse game on there called The Siege of Orgun. Mm-hmm. And that looked interesting. So that is Russians in Afghanistan in 1983. And it's an area impulse game, meaning you're activating a whole area and move them around. But then it just has like a little bit of card play mechanics to like bring on different troops or give different technology to you know this this band of Taliban or, or something like that. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was like 13 bucks or something like that. You get that in the Ziploc? Yeah, I threw it in the Ziploc. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I did, I did get the box for Thunder at Dawn because I really like. Oh, okay. I got that one in Ziploc too because I've got – I've already got um, the other one in Ziploc as well. So mm. they fit right Keep there together. Consistent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't mix and match. Mm-mm. And then uh, did you – and maybe we already talked about it. I didn't think we did. Did you get Rising Sun? I did. I couldn't remember if I talked about it on the last podcast or not. But, yes, I have that for sure. I've been waiting so long to get that, and I've got it now. Yeah, In fact, so someone, is... it, uh, it wasn't me, so I don't mind jumping ahead. It's not part of the recap, but uh, a couple guys were playing one of the, the St. Louis ASL uh, Society games from the Burma uh, uh, book, uh-huh. and obviously that one requires for King and Country and Rising Sun. So now that I have both of those, I'm really interested in playing some of those Burma games. Nice. Yeah, yeah. so for those that don't know, Rising Sun is the Pacific module for ASL. It had it had come into it came into print a couple years ago and then you know it was out and then so of course the price skyrocketed up sure. and then they they've reprinted it now um, it seems like mmp has been more on the ball lately with keeping the asl stuff maybe not always in rotation but at least you know not like it used to be where i mean it used to be a few years ago i mean a copy of rising sun would was 500 bucks because no one had seen a new copy of it in 10 years yeah, they seem to be, I think just as a whole, they seem to be, have a pretty good pulse on, just with the GCACW stuff coming back, and Rising Sun coming back, for King, all that stuff, it seems to me that they have a, a pretty uh, good pulse on yep. the demand. Um, so for me personally, you said you want to play Burma, this is a must, if you want to play the Korea module, Rising Sun is, the Korea module is so dependent on all the mm. different ASL products. The main one is Rising Sun. Yeah, that makes sense, but I didn't realize that just because since Korea is its own module, I, I guess maybe I just assumed that it had everything in there, but I never got the Korea oh, one. No. Not that I'm uninterested in playing it. I just wasn't, when it came out, I, I didn't get it. Oh, that was the tipping point for me. <laughs> All right. Uh, should we talk about some books? Yeah. All right, uh, spoiler alert. So this the feature game this episode is going to be Holland 44. And so to go along with that, I read, uh, I had my, you know, the the pick of the litter in Arnhem books. And so I went with Anthony Bieber. Why, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I, I enjoy his writing. Every every book I've turned to it from him has been great. So uh, yeah, Arnhem, The Battle for Bridges, yeah. 1944 by Bieber. I almost did the same thing. Uh, kind of for the same reasoning. I wanted a book on Market Garden and I looked over the list of titles and saw Anthony Beaver and thought, oh, I don't know anything about it, but that's going to be a good one. <laughs> but I ended up not reading it. So was it good? Did you finish it? It was good. And then I did the audio book and it's, uh, it's Sean Barrett, okay. um, which is, he just got this great British voice. He did this, this other uh, fantasy book I like called Legend, mm-hmm. uh, which I recommend. I think I've talked about before. Yeah. And so it's got a great narrator, it's um I like it. I mean, I I think 
I'm not an expert in Battle of Arnhem at all. Um, but we talked about kind of what goes on, but like as an approach to learn about the battle, it was a good one. And I, I don't know. I just like, I have heard from some people that they find Beaver to not fantasize things, but over dramatize things maybe. Yeah. But I, I enjoy that. I think there's emotion and, you know, crazy stories and, and <laughs> not drama, but there are some really interesting stories at an individual level in all of his books, I think. It's, so I it's funny it. that you, you say that specifically, because um, I think I mentioned last month as well, I'm still reading About Face by David Hackworth. Um, and it's it's kind of the same way. I mean, I, I don't know this guy, it, but it sounds like, and the whole book, it, it's 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 like you're sitting down at a bar with an old soldier and he's telling you all his war stories. And you're thinking while you're hearing him, a lot of this is probably, he's probably full of shit, but they're good <laughs> stories. So it's interesting that you say that about the Beaver book. It's really good though. I mean, it's it's long, but it, it's really good. There's a lot of good yeah, stuff in it. I think I marked that one to read last time. I'd have to yeah. go check my Goodreads look. Good. Uh, so anything else? Or you just that's no, it. that's really all I got going right now. Hey, that's all right. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna skip the uh, what we've been playing games on the table this segment because Rich is gonna uh, he's gonna steal the spotlight here and give us his take on AACCon. Yeah, AACCon Dallas, Texas. Uh, it was fun. I absolutely had a great time. I'm so glad I went. Um, I we you know we were together at DonkeyCon this uh, this May. And I think it might have been like the Saturday of Donkey Kong, you know, it's drawing to a close. I'm thinking, I don't think I can wait a whole another year to do this again. So I talked to Dave and, and got, the, got the invite for, for AAC Con. I'm so glad I did. Um, it was uh, right there in, well, not downtown Dallas, but it was at a hotel in Dallas. So we were all in the same hotel. And the game room was nice. It was huge. It's much, much bigger than Donkey Kong is um, as far as the actual size of the room and the number of people there. Um, but I played the first night we played, actually, this was out in the lobby before the actual room opened. We played Pax Perferiana, which you and I've talked about before. Um, played that. I think we actually played at six player, which was interesting. Um, Ralph and I, and I don't even remember who else was in it, but Ralph and I were like the only two that knew the rules. So we were kind of teaching the rest of them as we played. Um, then let's see, Wednesday was the first day of the actual con. We played all day. We played divine, right? Have you ever heard of that game? Oh, I have. Okay. Have you played it? I have not. It was interesting. Um, it's a fun game. It's an old TSR game. It's like fantasy strategy kind of. And when I first saw the game, obviously, because I just played Titan like a month ago, that was the first thing that went to my mind, you know, map kind of looks the same the counters kind of look the same and i thought okay well here we go it's a much much better game um it's it's interesting there's some problems with it and i i think that if they took this game and gave it to like a developer he could take it and honestly it would be a top-notch game it's it's close to being very good it's got some issues um but basically you play um different sort of fantasy kingdoms there's dwarves and goblins and a couple kingdoms of humans and there's some elves in the game and you go around, you try to make allies. So if you get, if you can ally another kingdom, then you get to use their armies. Um, but you can also send your ambassador to take away allies from someone else, which is useful, but it's also sort of dangerous because now they become neutral and someone else 
gets a chance to steal them. So you're, it's very unlikely that you're going to get to take them and actually use them to take them away from someone and take them for yourself. I've, I've said for a long time that someone needs to do something like divine right or dragon's pass. Yeah. Any of those hex encounter fantasy games, yep, throw absolutely. some modern paint on them, you know, rehash the rules, whatever, and just spit it out. Yeah. I don't even flood the market with them. There's all kinds of other fantasy games, but we need a solid fantasy hex encounter game. Yeah, and it's my understanding that they have approached the guy that owns the rights to this, and he doesn't. He's not amenable to that idea. So, well, see, um, what's cr- what's crazy? I think we talked about this. Is you can do, you can slap this anything. My idea with it is like the post, like downfall of the world, where like you've carved America into different factions, right? And you just play an American map. Like that's the great thing about fantasy. Like, why do you have to go to the divine right guy? Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, yeah, we talked about that too. Cause the game itself, I mean, as far as like, it's not, it's not a super thinky game. It's, it's, it's a pretty simple game overall. It's just fun. And we played at six players and, you know, got more and more drinky as the, as the, the day and the night went on. Um, so it, there was plenty of time for discussion about the game as we were playing it. And there were lots of thoughts about what we could do with this game. Um, probably the main complaint about the game. So I started, my nation started with, with only six armies on the map and uh, you roll a random event every time you take a turn. And most of the random events, you can get some reinforcements, but they lean more toward bad things happening to you. Oh. So that my first four rolls, I rolled plague, which means I lose an army. So without ever fighting a battle, on, on the fourth turn, I'm down to two armies. And at that point, I'm like waiting for somebody to just come jump on me. Finally, you know, dice rolls even out. Things get better eventually. But there's you lose a lot of armies to random events and they're hard to get back. So that was probably the one complaint about the game. But it was still fun. I'm looking here and like I see some mercenary and like other counters like you can get uh-huh. wandering people. Yep. Or that's awesome. Like, yeah, it's, uh, I had uh, the it, wandering people, actually. And they give you like magic items. That's awesome. Someone yeah. desperately needs to take this and yeah, and do it because for those curious at home, a like used copy of this game is going to be well over a hundred bucks. Yeah, and that's not because it's the components are so great. It's just because it's out of print <laughs> and people. Yeah, it's got a lot of nostalgia value if you played it for sure. Though I mean, the game came out in like eighty or something like that. So I'm wondering what's the like most recent. Um, version of something like that, that that's come out recently um and i'm not uh, i'm not talking fantasy like hex like hex encounter fa- fantasy game yeah i don't know and i'm not talking like a euro game that's like kind of a fantasy conflict game because yeah. those are a diamond and there's some great ones out there i'm not knocking that in any way a true hex encounter right because yeah. what's i the, can't think um, of what it is what's that sci-fi um game that plays at like different scales like you can fight in space and you can fight on shoot and they're redoing there's a sci-fi company adam's talked about it and i know mitch has has played it oh yeah i know what you're talking about there's lots of different like modules for it and everything yeah there's like all kinds of different games in the universe Um, yep i'm drawing a blank on the name oh we're, we're great podcastos well i own the game and i think it's somewhere up above me and i can't (laughs) <laughs> renegade legion renegade, renegade legion. legion there you go that's it so like i know they're in the works of of making a comeback so uh maybe maybe something will come of this i don't know all yeah. right uh, i mean you think of nothing else i mean i 
I I don't know how the rights and everything work, but I mean a TSR game does does Watsi own that? Does Asmodee own that? You'd think someone owns it, or maybe it goes back to the actual person, and maybe that's the issue. I have no idea. Hmm. Uh. So I'm I'm pretty jealous of one of these. Actually, I'm, I'm jealous of like your whole lineup. Uh, <laughs> but so what, I'm just gonna jump to it. What do you think of Dawn of the Battleship? It was fun, um, and I kind of got into that one. I, I was on the waiting list, and I was really glad I got into it um, because I think the Virgin Queen game went really late, so a bunch of the Virgin Queen players couldn't play that. But Dawn of the Battleship, it's a naval miniature game. It was, uh, it's by Admiralty Trilogy Group, who also makes Harpoon. They're probably most famous for that right now, but they've got a whole bunch of different ones set in different periods, and Dawn of the Battleship is like you know, 1900, 1905, pre-World War One-ish. So um, we played with someone, the, the guy that would organize the game had some 3D printed battleships. He had, uh, I don't know, a dozen, maybe maybe 18 of them or so. And every, every player, for the most part, had one of them. Uh, a couple guys had controlled two of them just because that was the number of players we had. The system itself is is not very complicated. I mean, you've got some player aids that show you percentages and everything. Mostly you're just, you know, you're going to roll some dice to see if you hit based on the distance you are away. And generic hit percentage is going to be something in like the, the 20% range, depending how far you are. So you got to roll a percentile die and you got to roll, you know, 20 or less-ish. Once you start getting closer, um, you start getting uh, higher hit percentages and stuff like that. But um, the way the scenario went for us, we never really got that close because we were trying to get to this one part on the other side of the, uh, the board and they d- turned way too late and we sort of got away from them on, uh, our, our counterparts on the other side, they had a huge higher fight firefight and there was smoke everywhere and a couple of ships were going to sink or, or, you know, in the process of sinking. So, um, it was fun though. Like I said, the, you can sit down like literally I was on the waiting list. So I found out I was playing this like 45 minutes before I played, never looked at a rule book at all. I just looked at the player aids and I didn't really need that much help figuring things out. I asked a couple questions to the guys that did know the rules. Um, and it, that was it. It was fun. Yeah. I think the, like, I, I don't think the games are hard of my understanding, but like, I think reading the rules, like being the guy that knows the rules is quite a bit of work. At least anytime yeah. I've tried to read the rules for Fear God and Dreadnought. Yeah. That it's just like, oof. Like there's just, and I just think they're overly wordy. I don't think there's anything too complex in there. Um, I would like to play any of these at this point. Yeah, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see that pop up at our cons again. I think Rex was talking about something for Donkey Kong. So, and nice. and and it's easy to play in one evening. So it's not it's not like a huge game that you need to play over the course of days. And then you played another naval game. Yeah. So this one, this was like my my surprise new game that I am now in love with. So we played Flat Top, um, which is another older game. It's a game of uh, carrier battles in uh in the Coral Sea. Um, old Avalon Hill game. The thing that fascinated about, fascinates me about this game is that on the board itself, there's basically, there's nothing except for clouds. The, you can see where the clouds are on the board. The rest of the board is completely empty. 
all of the the, the player stuff is all done off map so obviously it's two-sided us versus japanese it's very easy to divide into multiple players if you want so we played two versus one because we had three players um but it's based around um carrier groups or you know you can have you can have groups without carriers as well, but it's based around carrier groups. So you say, you know what? You get this carrier group, you get this carrier group, and it's super easy to divide it with multiple players. Um, and you just, you know, you've got a little version of the map. You plot where you are, but the real great part about the game is is doing the air operations. So every carrier has, you know, capacity for number of planes, but also has capacity for what it can do. So it can, it can, it has ready factors, which are how you move for planes from just landed to getting ready to ready to fly. And then has flight has flight factors or takeoff factors or landing. I don't know what, what are they called? There are some other factor that determine your flight deck. So how many planes you can take off and land each time. Um, and you can really, um, you know, we talked about the book about the Battle of Midway um, a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the big things that happened during the Battle of Midway that changed the course of the battle is the Japanese carriers, they had planes ready to go and they stopped them to take them back, put some bombs on them and set them back up. And you have to do all of that. You have to use your ready factors and your launch factors and all that. I mean, there's times that we've got planes ready to fly and we're like, I think I know where his carrier is. We need to put bombs on those guys. Um so it's all of that comes into play and then you, you plot all that out, you plot your movement, you plot where your guys are going to go and everything. And then you come together on the map and some of your guys are flying around, you know, you, you don't want to let him know where they are, but some of your guys then are going to start searching. So you, then you'll put a counter on the map and you'll say, my planes are here, depending on if it's day or night or whatever. Can, can he see your carriers from here? No, he can't. I move him here. Can he see him from here? No, he can't move him here. You know, you move him and you move all your guys that are searching. And at one point, you know, he may say, yes, you see something there. So depending on how far it is away, whether it's day or night, all that, uh, he may just see, you see some ships. He may see, you see a carrier battle group with, you know, eight ships and blah, blah, blah. You may see some planes in the area. All that he'll tell you during the search phase. And then when the search phase is over, everything comes back up off the map. So I know that he was here, but I don't know where he is because now he's moving again. The game is so good. It's it's <laughs> not that... There are some little weird things with the rules that we had to ask some people about and try to figure out, but it's it's so much fun. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those games that I just... I, like, hear about and... I think it made the like AAC top. I could be thinking of Carrier and um, the follow-up to Carrier Tokyo Express. I, I can't remember, yeah. but it's still one of those games. And I think this is this one hard to find. Do you know? Uh, no, I, in fact, because I I just picked it up this weekend, I got it for fifty bucks. Oh, okay. It was like forty eight ninety nine from yeah one I of must the, be thinking one of, of those. Then. No, and there's there is a follow-up to this game called CV. Um, I was asking someone about that. It's it's made by the same guy. It's similar. Um, and they said you can even play CV with the flat top rules. And a lot of people say that's the way to do it. CV is hmm. based on the Battle of Midway and flat top is based on uh, the Coral Islands. So, Do you know if there's a substantial difference between the first and second editions? I do not. Or third edition? I do not. I picked up okay. the third edition just because I wanted the most recent, which is yeah. what, like 82 instead of 79 or something. So, yes, okay. we are almost certainly going to be playing this at Donkey Kong next year. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. As and the I full, think we're going to pimp that out a little bit too, because we're talking about, you know, some of the things we could do with the components, um, ways to make it better. Not, not like change the rules, make it better, but make the components better, make uh-huh. it easier to play with a larger group of people. But this is, this is, this will happen. This will be your, your whole featured game. This is what you'd play for five days. Yep. Nice. Yeah. Cool. And then I, uh, I purposely directed you away from the last one, um, I don't know if you want to talk about it now because you played some Holland 44 at the con. I did. And Mark Simonish was there. Yeah. Who brought the ringer? Yeah. I didn't play with them, but I did oh. make him get in there for the picture. So. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, yeah. Nice. We played Holland 44. We'll talk about it more later, but we did play that one three player, which I think that one works really well with three player. Um, I, I played the, the 30, 30th core. Um, we had one player play all of the airborne and one player play all of the Germans. So, sure. Yeah. It worked really well. It was a great game, fun to play. Uh, my, I kept promising the Airborne because I wanted to maintain the historicity of it. Kept promising him that I would be in up there any time now, but I was not not doing well. That's hard to, but we'll get to that. Before we do, we have the war game game. I love it. Here we go. All right, folks, you get to play at home before Rich makes his guess. Rich gets ten clues. Uh, and you're trying to beat Rich because I don't keep giving clues once Rich gets a question because no one wants to hear that. So, uh, Rich gets, I guess, 11 guesses, some yeah, something like that. That's how math works. Guess. So he'll get a free one. I'm going to read off one clue at a time. Um, and Rich tries to guess the game. That's it. It's the war game game. All right. My free guess is Gringo. Nice. No. No. All right. Okay. This game was published in 1981. 81. Mm-hmm. Flat top. <laughs> no. Nice. That'd be funny. Uh, this game was published by Avalon Hill. <laughs> Flat top. No. <laughs> hey, it's okay, the second uh, clue. Okay. Uh, let's think of another old game. Uh, Avalon Hill. Let me think. Let me think. Sometimes I get them, not confused, but I think of like them and Victory SPI. Games are like the two old ones. Yeah, SPI is another one I go with. Um I don't know. Right now, I've gotten all I'm ahead is Victory Games games. So go ahead, give me another one. Okay, um, this game features art by Jean Bear, Roger McGowan, Debbie Scott Moores, <laughs> and Dale. Roger McGowan. <laughs> I know. I was surprised even see him on the list. <laughs> and as as an aside, and this will not give it away, this game has amazing box art. <laughs> like legitimately, I'm not making fun of it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's always all right. Old Avalon Hill with Roger McGowan. And others. Uh, submarine. Nope. No, I don't even know if that's Avalon Hill, but I know it's old. Um, interesting guess though, but we can touch on that later. <laughs> um, this game uses the area impulse system. All right, and you were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I guarantee this is a game I have not played. Go ahead. I don't know. Okay. The game was designed by Courtney F. Allen. I don't know that name at all. Has, has Courtney done some other big games? Yeah, but that's okay. going to be a clue. <laughs> all right. Mitch already has it. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, mm, maybe. <laughs> yeah, because he might guess the other Courtney F. Allen game. Right, right. <laughs> um, I'm drawing a blank on games now. All right. Next clue. Okay. Um, Courtney F. Allen's most popular game is probably most definitely up front. Oh, okay. 
Right. Other games designed by Courtney F. Allen include Thunder Casino, Attack Sub, and there's probably some other ones. I'll just list those. And okay. then obviously the game we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, I think someone was playing up front at the con. I wouldn't be surprised by that. Yeah. Um, Ambush. Nope. No. This game features the first Airborne during World War II. Features the first Airborne during World War II. Uh, I'm just going to guess like names of games that may not even be a game, but uh, sure. is it Market Garden? No. No. All right. Um, is it a this bridge game's, too far? <laughs> this game simulates the ferocious battle for the Arnhem Bridge on September 18th. Is it a bridge 21st. too far? No. No. All right. Um, this game rhymes with Rorm, <laughs> Clover, Parnham. Storm over Arnhem. Ding, 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 ding. All and right. the last clue was this game is Storm over Arnhem. I really struggled <laughs> to get past others. I don't know that game at all. I mean, really? I'm not surprised that there's a game called that, but I can't say that I actually know that game. And I, I also think there are other that. Storm over games that like sounds... storm over dmb and foo sure. but i don't i don't think they're necessarily re- related other than they use area impulse i think it's different designers different publishers obviously um but they're not i don't think they're all considered the same series yeah What's... i do li- i do like the art um i've definitely never seen this game that looks pretty cool though it kind of reminds me the and just because it's area impulse but it kind of reminds me of that game i played a couple years ago the new one by brian train chile that i didn't like very much but this the board kind of reminds me of it yeah i'm gonna talk about this when we once we dive in but what's interesting about storm over arnhem is it's only first airborne okay and the entire time i was reading arnhem stuff and playing the game i was thinking about i even made a note to talk about this later is how much i want to play a Nijmegen or just an Arnhem game just yeah, for the close yeah. combat. And so this is, it's not as tactical as ASL, but this isn't like area impulse where like the whole area is this six mile hexagon. This is the city of Arnhem in the bridge. Yeah. And it's it's it. literally like one side of it, the bridge it looks like from the, the picture. Yeah. So um, I think this is a popular game. I think people really like it. It's not one I've played, but it's one I'm going to track down to, play for sure yeah interesting so mitch if you know this game bring it to a game day we'll play it yeah plus that cover art is or or you could say no it's terrible and you guys should not have mentioned it i have no idea uh csr award yeah sometimes uh i i click my geek buddy analysis to see how people rate things and one of the people i look for is mitch yeah but he has not rated this one all right all right. Uh, so, all that being said, Storm Over Arnhem is not our featured game. But we'll stick in Holland for Holland 44. Yeah. Like I said, Mark Simonich game. He was there at the con, which I, I wasn't expecting to see him there. But it, that was actually kind of funny because it was, um, I can't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but Mitch was just talking to him. And I just walked up and said hi to Mitch. And Mitch said, oh, hey, Rich, you know, this is this is Mark. I'm like, oh, hey, hi, Mark. And he goes, 
Mark Semenich. And I goes, oh, okay, Mark Semenich. <laughs> he was kind of laughing at me because of the way I reacted. But I'm like, well, there's a lot of Marks, but there's only one Mark Semenich. Did so. you mention my name? Did you say, hey, <laughs> anything like that? No, because come aren't on. you trying to get him to come to DocuCon? I did. I had extended an invite. Yeah. It just didn't work out. Yeah. I didn't want to mention your name because I thought maybe he hated Not you. Donkey Con. Come on. Uh, yeah. Kansas City Con. Yeah. You know, one of oh those cons. Rich, it's called Historic Fest. <laughs> Historic Fest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 2017 game, GMT Games. Which that uh, actually surprised me because me I, too. for some reason I thought it was older than that. So did I. I thought <laughs> it was one that had be, been redone around the time because I, I'm sure I got it shortly after I played normandy for the first time which had yeah. been reprinted um and then obviously this has along with some other people it's got mark Semenich art it's a typical mark Semenich map just with more mm-hmm. green stuff yeah. uh beautiful looking map great components. i like the shape of the map too me too just, it's kind of like it's, just, it's a long, long column yeah up and down yeah like vertically long yep um and for those who don't know this game covers operation market garden which was Monty's brilliant plan during September of 1944 for a two-part phase to drop the 82nd Airborne, 101st Airborne, and the British 1st Airborne, British 1st at Arnhem, uh, quite a few miles south, and Nijmegen was 82nd, I think, and then 101st was in and around... Um, Grav, I think. Grav. Yeah. And uh, it was a 64-mile stretch, and the whole point was 30 core was just supposed to roll through with all these tanks and break through to 1st Airborne, 60 miles away, link up with all these airborne divisions, get to Arnhem, get over the bridges. That's the the very short of it. The synopsis of everything I've read on the on this book and like in Simonich's notes is this was just the worst plan ever. Yeah. And like spoiler, I think the game captures that so well. Because it the whole premise of this game was, and Beaver's book made a really good point about this, was people more experienced in military history and military in general know that no plan survives contact with the enemy. <laughs> and everything about Operation Market Garden was contingent upon everything going perfectly. Right. And Every like br- as we were playing it, I mean, the, the common joke that I kept saying is, this would be very easy to do if the Germans would just get the hell out of my way. Right. Right, and not blow a bridge. Yeah. Uh, because every bridge had to blow up or not be blown up to reach it. And then what happened in practice, what happened in real life was everything that could go wrong went wrong. Radios didn't work. The Jeeps they needed to get to Arnhem, only one, uh, I don't know, like what breakdown of, of the division, one small group of the 1st Airborne actually made it to the bridge and the rest of the 1st Airborne were, at, were actually outside of Arnhem. They dropped like twelve kilometers away. Yep. They like there were the Panzers Germans, in the area that were tigers fitting. They and they knew and they thought they were like dummies. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They took pictures of them like right before the raid and they're like, "Holy shit, there's Panzers here!" And like, I ah, don't worry about that. Yeah, <laughs> they the plans for the whole operation were like uncovered on the first day. Yep. That like drops were canceled. They the radios didn't work, so any supply drops were being like dropped away from positions. Um, and then the worst part about it is you may or may not know the term hell's highway is the whole plan operated on 30 core driving down this two lane highway all the way to Arnhem. And on like the side is just like swampland. Yeah. 
So the tanks can't get off the road, causes massive traffic jams, and then they're just like lined and, up for German tanks, artillery. Tanks break. I mean, yeah. in the best of circumstances, a tank is going to break down. And in this case, when that happens, every tank behind him has to wait until they push him off the side of the road or whatever. Right. And so then massive traffic delays and um, just a really bad plan from the get-go. Um, so that's the scene in this game is you are, as a British player, trying to drive 30 core through. Um, basically, you need to get non-airborne units north of the um, lower Rhine. And uh, you're running around with airborne trying to capture those towns. And then the Brits, or the Germans, my whole takeaway from this game is I think the German player has to be okay with taking it in the teeth. Yep. Because you're not going to win many battles, especially against 30 core. Like, you can probably sure. knock out some airborne stuff. Yeah, and the guy that you played just, the German player in our game, like every time, like if he's like, if I trade a step with you, if I get an exchange or an A1-D1, I won that. Yeah, right. Because all you're trying to do as a German player is slow down 30 core. Yep. And that's it. And so it, it's still fun for the German player, I think. I, I played opposed uh, recently. I played this a long time ago as well and got yeah. stomped. I've played German this player. game probably five or six times solitaire just because it plays really well solitaire i've played it opposed twice including this uh-huh. week i i think as i think it's so fun as a german player it's just you got to go into the mindset like in in normandy and Stalingrad, like you're going to win battles on either side and you have good units on either side but like all your most i shouldn't say all most of your troops on the german side are poor quality so you're always like three to one four to one five to one odds for the u.s but you're still like, yeah. it's all about the maneuvering for the German player. And picking terrain. Because if you get a yeah. leg unit in an urban or a, a city hex, then they're going to double up on defense. So this is, that's like the the big picture stuff. This is, for those unfamiliar, Holland 44 is part of Mark Semenich's Zokbon series. which is That's what I should have asked him. I should have asked him if he calls that series anything. Because <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I used to call it like... XX or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, Zokban just explains it so well. Yeah. Which um, is basically a you go, I go. Everything has an attack factor, defense factor, um, and a movement value. But the defining characteristic, I think, in this series, other than the how zones of control operate with each other, which we don't need to go into, is the terrain benefits and maximizing those. I think that's true in Mm -hmm. Normandy 44 and, and Stalingrad. And this is maximizing or capitalizing on people being in poor terrain. Yeah. There's a lot of little rivers and streams and stuff that'll help you, especially when you're dealing with armored units. So, yeah. And um, obviously bridges to blow. A- yeah. Attacks here are pretty straightforward. You just look at your yeah. attack value versus their defense value and then look at the train effects chart. And there's not a ton of modifiers in this game. Artillery, air morale yeah yeah not many at all you might get a, a couple column shifts or something and then it's just a, a d6 roll so um one of the i know we've talked about this i've mentioned it so many times is normandy 44 you are capped on your attack right. strength right yeah and, and we talked about that while we were playing too and in in normandy 44 that means a lot of your battles will be on the one-to-one two-to-one or if you have artillery or air, you know, three to one, um, depending on 
outside factors from artillery, but your main combat odds are usually going to be one-to-one, two-to-one, because it's so easy to double the defender, and then the attacker can't even bring enough guys to get there. That's not present here. I like that. It's I think not present, it's... and it's usually not applicable. because right. Because you're trying to go up this highway. So most of your attacks are going to be on this highway. Now, he may get to, like, the Germans may have a, a stopping point at an urban area that he's really holed up in. You may need to try to surround him to clear that out. For the most part, your attacks are just going to be banging up that highway. And I think the the stacking's a little more restrictive here. In Normandy 44, it's yeah. two guys plus. You can have a tank, a silhouetted unit stack for free. So, like, if it has a picture instead of a NATO symbol. Yeah. Here, the pictures don't stack for free. Only certain units stack right. for free. I think it's artillery and maybe bridging. I think artillery and bridging units, I think, yeah. are free stackers. Yeah. And um, so, typically, there are... most combats, you have two per hex involved. So it's still yep. restrictive, but there's not this number that's really restrictive like it is in Normandy 44. Yeah. The the rules about formations attacking are fairly restrictive. You need to keep it within a formation. You can get one temporarily attached unit, which will be the white units, um, and they have to be like in a certain place and everything. But um, yeah, usually it's you're going to want to attack with one formation. And the 30 core, they've got... They start off with two or three on the board, and they get some more along the line. So you do have to maintain your your formations together, make sure they're attacking together. Yeah, and that's true of other... Because anything out of your formation is going to attack at half strength. Right. Other than the one free stacking. And that that's present in the other stuff, too. I, I haven't played the Battle of the Bulge game, but I'm assuming it's there. Um, so mechanically, I think the game is very straightforward. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think of the three of us... I think I was the only one that had played this one. One of the other guys had played one of the other ones. And I think the third guy might not. I can't I can't remember. There were all different levels of experience, but no one had any trouble with it. So, yeah, if you're I mean, I I was talking to Pete, the guy I was playing with that, um, you know, I've, I've talked to my story like how oh, yeah, Civil War is like my first this mind blowing experiment. The first like really deep dive and really consume the game I for hex encounter games was normandy 44 mm -hmm. i think they're very good games to cut your teeth on especially the new one coming out it's supposed to be even more introductory than all the other games um salerno um, yeah i think that's gonna be a single map yeah it is um and then it's i think it's just less rules overhead but my my point is they're very good introductory games but then also i think they that doesn't mean they're like bad for someone who's been in the hobby for 80 years or whatever. Like, no, not at all. I, th I think the level of play here, like there's depth in the decisions you're making. You're not just chucking dice. There's important, yeah. I'd say very important maneuver decisions to be made all across this map, which is, I think the like defining characteristic of Holland 44 is, as the Germans picking your attacks and as the, as the Brits one adapting a strategy to try to not, get cut off as the first get the first airborne cut off and then finding your path of attack because although i felt like i was stomping pete winning all my battles i was even behind schedule of 30 core in real life who was already you know yeah. two days behind schedule and I, that's one of the things I do like. Not every game does this, but it's not super infrequent. On the on the turn tracker on the map, it lists, it'll say, like, this is when 30 Core arrived in Grof or whatever. So I like that when you can see the historical comparison. 
Yeah. Love it. And then I was really disappointed. Like, I don't know how many Germans I killed. And then we were going into it and I looked at the turn and then I looked at the turn before and it's like 30 core reaches Eindhoven. Yeah. And I was still three hexes away. I was yeah. like, oh shit. <laughs> Those guys were awful. I know. Yeah. They screwed up and I'm worse. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So things will maybe clip along at a pretty nice pace for you as the allied player, but I think they're going to, after the first turn, this whole game comes down to bridges because there's so many canal and big river crossings where you're dependent on a bridge mm-hmm. or very slow ferries or you got to rebuild them. Throughout every game, except every turn except for turn one, it's a two-thirds chance for the Germans to blow a bridge. So anytime an right. a, a allied player moves next to a bridge, they get to roll. And a three through a six blows it. And that it, it can be frustrating, but... And they can also do it on their turn. <laughs> they can do it on their turn in certain... But right. once they there roll, are, once they roll, it's clear. for it, but yeah. Yeah, there's conditions to do it on their turn, and if they miss the roll, it's considered clear they can't keep rolling on the bridge. Yeah, they can rewire it, it um, yeah, but, that, but takes, that takes them time. Yeah. I I don't I don't I've never done that and I mean our, our German player was able to do it um up around like Nijmegen or yeah I think it was up around Nijmegen where you know the airborne was not able to cover every bridge you know they, they were trying to fight off the reinforcements coming in and he was able to sneak behind them from time to time and get some rewired nice yeah well, that's good for him um in yeah. in one of my favorite things in like Simonich's notes was um he th- he originally had like a mulligan rule like once per game to redo a bridge roll for each side and then he took it out because he said i just wanted to show like how perfectly things had to go mm-hmm. for this to be a success so yeah. he left it in that it would be this easy to blow all the bridges the only reason like nymegan bridges didn't blow is because modal was one convinced that the the airborne were there after him not after arnhem uh, right. not I after do remember bridge. that yeah i'd forgotten about that till you just said it but yeah yeah and it's in the movie it's in the movie a bridge too far but that's like beaver talked about it in his book as well and then um he he told the troops in nijmegen don't blow the bridge yeah and it's probably the same reason why arnhem bridge didn't blow either yeah um and i think in, in the game there's a couple that can't be blown and i think that's part of the reason yep Yep, Nijmegen has a bridge that can't be blown. It's you, know, you still got to crack through Nijmegen, right? And then, and that's what like you roll along, especially through like southern Holland, with no defensive terrain really for the Germans to hide in. But like once you, there's not the best troops in Eindhoven, but like Nijmegen by now there's reinforcements, and then if if the German gets a strong foot in Arnhem, you're not going to dislodge them because they're all doubled on defense, and then. Right. You can't really launch a good attack across the river. Um, and, and you don't have much support. I mean, you right. you have artillery and you have either one or two or zero air points per turn, but you're not getting a lot of support in this game. It's it's mostly going to have to just be tanks and infantry banging against each other. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was trying to think if I have anything else. I mean, what my big takeaway is, you know, we don't we don't have to go into like mechanics because I don't I don't know how helpful that is, but like feeling wise, mm-hmm. um, 
on one hand, I really wanted to, after reading Beaver's book, was like, I want to experience this, like, the street-level fighting in Arnhem and Nijmegen, which was just, like, atrocious. Sure. And in your face, in families' homes, like, hiding in their cellars, and, like, amazing stories there. Yeah, That's and it was, this... like, at one point, didn't, like, some of the Brits surrendered and the rest of them kept fighting on? And Well, yeah, I think the ones in Arnhem, the ones that, yeah. the one group that was able to get there, they ended up surrendering. Yeah, um, but then, but, the, but, but the, it wasn't the entire group that surrendered. I think, like, right. maybe the wounded surrendered or something like that because they had wounded that they had no way to take care yeah. of. Right. They're out of medical supplies, at low on ammo, and it's just, it's like gruesome street fighting. Yeah. That's not portrayed in Holland 44 at all, which oh, no. isn't a, a slight, because that's not the scale of this game. That's not what it's trying to achieve. This game, I think, v- represents how bad as a whole the plan was, and illustrates it and makes a fun game out of it. Yeah. But it did leave me wanting to play the, so Storm Over Arnhem which is a zoomed-in level just in Arnhem. And then I was looking at the bridge too far. So have you played the ASL Arnhem? No, I have not. Uh, huh. I assume it's well out of print and yeah. impossible oh, yeah, to find. Definitely. Yeah, and it it's not, it's not directly answering what you were saying as far as the scale. But one thing I would like to see on this game, and it wouldn't be that hard to do, but it, it's not official. Um, I would like to see uh, another scenario where it's just like yes. the end game. I'd like to see, you know... It's just a, a third of the that top part of the top map, just, you know, uh, Nijmegen and Arnhem or, or maybe even just one of those cities or something. See the game start there because then you could it wouldn't be. Yeah, obviously you don't get the whole campaign game experience, but you could play that in like two hours and it would be a lot of fun. And a lot of because because the plan was so bad, uh, I think a lot of people that play this game never get to that point. And that would be a, a fun game to play, I think. So, interesting you mentioned that because Pete was telling me there is a northern scenario from a C3i magazine. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I don't have that, but that makes all the sense in the world that if someone would do that and C3i would be the logical place to put it. And I don't know. I think it's still at the same scale and it's just covering the north. I don't know if it like really changed. I don't know if it gets what you're asking for there. I think it may just cut the game in half and do, um, yeah, it's, it's 82nd and first airborne, including the initial landing. So I don't think it's quite asking what you're doing for, oh, but okay. yeah. yeah. Cause I would like to see an end game. So maybe yeah. it went better, but it's still going to come down to it. I would love to see that as a scenario in this game. Well, that's been, I think we've mentioned it before. I think that's a fair criticism of Mark Simonich's games is yeah. even U.S. Civil War is there's in Stalingrad and Normandy and this U.S. Civil War has three scenarios and they're just different start points. This in Nor- this has two scenarios. One's yep. just half the game, the other full game. And then Normandy 44 has like yeah. a half map scenario. And, and, and when you say half game. the game, it's the first half of the yeah. game. Right, right, right. They both right. start the same place. Yes. And then I don't know what's in Arnhem, but I'd be surprised if there's so it's not like, you know, like in an OCS game where you have, you know, 12 different scenarios at different points all over the map. Right. It's either a slightly shorter one or, or the full shebang. They're great, but it is a knock against them. There's not a lot of yeah variation and, and here. And it's a shame it doesn't have that because that would be fun to play. And everything's there. I mean, it's already all included. Every You're not going to need new counters, new map, anything like that. 
all you need is a new setup yeah or some like hypothetical scenarios like what if i, I mean i don't know how fun this would be for the german player but like <laughs> what if the bridges don't blow <laughs> you know or, <laughs> yeah or like what if the radios work because what's interesting here is in mechanically in the game you can't use air support for airborne troops until 30 core gets to them because yeah. they couldn't call them in yeah yeah, and like I said, you hardly get any air support anyway. It's right. zero, one, or two points per turn, which is it's all it is is a single column shift. It's an artillery shot. Yep. That being said, I I love this. Oh, it's a fun game. Yeah, like I said, I mean, there's a reason I've played it solitaire. I don't know how many times because I haven't logged it, but somewhere in the five to ten time range. So, do you do you get the same feeling though? Like, do you think it shows how terrible playing this was? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, once those bridges and, and, start going... And that's part of the just... reason it's fun, too. Because like you said, the Germans are getting their teeth kicked in at the beginning. But uh, as the Germans, you also know there's no way they're going to do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got guys coming in. All I have to do is just keep somebody on the map to create a Zock. <laughs> right. And then, like, the German does get, like, you know, some he things... He gets good in toys favorite. at the end. He starts getting, yeah, yeah. SS units coming in and all, yeah. Ta- tigers and then yep. oh man like one of the tanks like i think a turn three reinforcement is like a a tank with two defense and poor morale and like all i did was step one stack of airborne troops next to him and i was like that's that's an automatic ds it has one <laughs> defense because yeah. it's like um there are and fewer... they do get like the traffic markers to play around with so there's this there's certainly yep. decisions to be made on both sides yeah so. There are fewer um, like one-off rules in this game than there are in Arden 44, which I like. Um, there's there's not a whole lot of this unit has this special ability. Mm. There's a lot of that in Arden 44 that I, I'm not I'm not saying I I mean I don't hate it, but it it does make it a pain because you end up forgetting those things. You end up looking in the rule book going, I wait, hold on, I think this guy can do something. Um, setup is great because every counter has either its reinforcement turn or its setup hex on it. I love that mm-hmm. because, you know, I've got the, I've already got it back in the box. I've got two trays, one for reinforcements, one for on map guys. So it, it sets up really fast. Plus he's got the cards. Yeah. Yeah. And which are great, which is just like set up and turn scenario. So like I line up my chits on there, counters on there and yep. pop them on, which reminds me I'm missing a Stalingrad counter still. <laughs> but it's like a turn 28 like it's so far in the game that it's like i'm never gonna get to that but at some point i need to replace it oh it's so brutal um you'll find it eventually in some other box oh yeah for sure the the only thing i want to say is just one takeaway that i found interesting from re uh doing beaver's book is i guess the either like dutch military academy or you know officers college or whatever it was like were failed instantly if they proposed <laughs> driving up. I think it's Highway sixty nine. I that's the name of that highway that they had to go up. Yeah, what whatever Hell's Highway is. Yeah. Like they were highway flunked six, six, six. <laughs> Um, yeah, Highway sixty nine. Um, it they were flunked immediately if that was their proposed route of attack. <laughs> and it's like no one. And, like, there were Dutch correspondents, so it's, like... But, again, like, people did try to challenge Monty on this, but it's, like, man, it's not a good look for yep. for Monty after after this. And just what a... 
Oh, we should talk about recommended reading, and then we we have to. Well, talk yeah, about I was going to mention the movie because I did yeah. want to talk about that as well. Yes. So, real, let's get the books out of the way, and then we'll talk about. So, there's a book called Bridge Too Far by Cornelius Ryan. I did not read it. I chose the Beaver book, and then another one I saw re- recommended is It Never Snows in September by Robert Kershaw, which is I think told more from the German point of view, but it was also very recommended. So there's a, there's a movie from 1972, I think. A Bridge Too Far that's got um, Sean Connery, Gene Hackman. It's got everyone in it. Um, like the first time I saw that I was, movie, like every single scene, I'm like, holy shit, he's in it too. Holy shit, he's in this too. This yes. is awesome. <laughs> um, what's his, uh, the guy from Ocean's 13, the one that founds the hotel? Um, Oh man, Eugene! I don't think is I it saw Ocean's Thirteen? I, Elliot, I, Elliot Gould, so Barbara Streisand's ex-husband. Elliot okay. Gould, yeah, like, sure. Elliot Gould's in it. Yeah, um, Robert Redford. Yeah, young and, Robert uh, Redford. What's his name? As the, um, I'm drawing a blank on his name. As the as the Polish guy, he's so funny. Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman, yeah, plays yeah. the Polish airborne guy. Yes. <laughs> um, Anthony Hopkins in it. Yep. Michael Caine. Yeah, it's and they're all like, good. They're all good in it. Yeah. And then Pete was saying he was like, "Yeah, Ryan O'Neill's in it," and I was like, "I have no idea who Ryan O'Neill is." Yeah, I, I think had he was heard his, his name, but yeah. And that, and I like, if you don't want to do the book, if you just want to like take a Sunday afternoon, it's a pretty long movie. I think it was three hours, and I watched it for the first time this weekend. It does a wonderful job of portraying how shit idea this was and all the things that went wrong, and it seems to be fairly accurate and. I think, like, during the airdrops, they took probably more flack fire. Than, like, the film doesn't show that, but whatever. And, like, I just love yeah. how pissed you know, Sean in, Connery is. In Band of Brothers, it. though, they show that as a very basically unopposed landing, too, though. So, Well, I think, one, I think it depends on, like, which landing you're talking right, about and obviously. when. Yeah. Because later on, they knew exactly where they were coming down. Yeah. But I, I don't think the first airborne landing was, and I could be wrong, was as quite as easy as they made it out to be. But, again... Um. Yeah, great movie. Yeah, I enjoyed the movie quite a bit. I haven't read any any books on this. Um, and I've read books that sort of covered this as a part of it, but never never just about this. All right. Anything else to say about Arnhem or anything else to say about Holland Forty Four? Um. No, I think we got it. Nice. Good. I think it's time to rank it. It is time. All right, we have a list. Yes. It's a list of every war game ever made, a little ranking from best to worst. It's been revealed to us, carved in marble. Mud. Mud, <laughs> yeah. No, oh, it's clay it that turns, has it turns been, to clay in December. Hasn't been... <laughs> it, it hasn't hit the kiln yet. Um, all right, so I think we have obvious floors and ceilings here. I know you haven't played Stalingrad, but to me, this isn't as good as Stalingrad. Maybe okay. close. Sure. And then yeah. the floor, I think this is better than Normandy. Norm Okay. Yeah. Normandy so, 44. Yeah, we got two of the games from the series already on the list. That's a good yeah. place to start. And I think it's gonna be hot dogs between those. Okay, cool. Um, that's a big hot dog though. It is. Stalingrad is number eight, Normandy is number twenty two. So we gotta narrow this down. Yeah. Um So let's jump right in the middle of those and just start okay. let's look at a game that we both know pretty well, Battle Him Volume One. Okay. Ooh, I think this is better. Like, just cut right to it. I think this is better than Battle Him because I I really just can't get over the fact, like, I think this perfectly portrays Operation Market Garden. 
from from this scale. And but then again, Battle Him I think also does a really good job. That's that's tricky. What do you think? Because I'm I I gotta chew on that. Yeah, I'm chewing on it myself. Um, when you said it was better, I kind of thought, yeah, I think it's probably better. But then as you were talking, you I I started thinking about ways to argue with you. So I think we've definitely found the area that we're zooming in on because I think that's probably let's let's jump up one Thunder in the Ozarks. Is this better or worse than Thunder in the Ozarks? I think it's right on par. And here's what here's what I think maybe the deciding factor for me and you chime in. I I like the although it's straightforward combat, the combat resolution here is so much more streamlined than Battle Him. Battle Him, as much as I like that system, is like this weird. Okay, yeah. find the def- attack number for this hex, this terrain, yep. and then roll eighty thousand dice yeah, and compare and them all against that number. Get. Yes, yeah. this now, just just. To clarify this, we jump up one to Dian Bien Phu. This is definitely below Dian Bien Phu. Yes, agreed. So it's right. Dian Bien Phu is twelve. I agree, hundred percent. This is not quite as good as Dian Bien Phu. So Thunder in the Ozarks has kind of a weird combat table too, but it's weird in a different way. And I I like it. It's it's more yeah. satisfying. Yeah. Like and that's and I've talked about that in other games before. Is like how much how satisfying is the combat resolution? Apparently, that's an important thing to me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of thinking 14. Thinking better that, than Battle Him, but not quite as good as Thunder in those arcs. Yeah, I think that feels right to me. Oh, man. Now I'm thinking back to Thunder in those arcs, and it's just like, there are some fun decisions. Like, how long do I hold out here? Yeah. That's a pretty good game. Thunder in the Ozarks is really good. I'm not a, a fan of the game. map, but yeah. it's a good game. <laughs> yeah, if we're ranking maps, this is Simonich. And, uh, <laughs> it's hard to beat a Simonich map. I, I think so. Oh, man. Now I'm thinking about that. That's right. Yeah. Play that. While we're talking about Battle Home Volume 1, you and I were joking offline. Uh, Battle Home Volume 2. <sighs> you, <laughs> you, you're like Charlie Brown in the football. You're like, hey, they announced it. It's coming out next year. <laughs> I do not believe them at all. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about that because I think that goes nicely to the. Uh, the GMT October update. Yeah. Closing uh, but, this one out, though. Holland 44, 14th best war game of all time. Rich, we've ranked 42 games. That is awesome. How many more? 42. At least. Yeah. Uh, let's we see. will stop I've ranking g- them when we have played every game we own. And, <laughs> <laughs> and my wife sells sells them all and be a, makes me sell them all to the abrupt end of our podcast. All right. You sent me a link. You sent a link to yeah, it was like a, like a Christmas catalog or something. Yeah, and I got mine in the mail, which <laughs> oh, I do you? like getting the Compass yeah. uh, holiday catalog. So let's pull it up because we're going to do the GMT October update, which has a few games. Two of them I'm super interested in. Uh, but let's take a, a quick link, uh, look at the Compass Games 2021 holiday catalog. And while I'll give you some time to to pull up the, the list there, Rich. We already talked about Battle Hymn Volume 2. 59 bucks. Supposed to be out late 2020. So so how big was the one they sent you? Was it like newspaper size? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it kind of is. It's like a, it's like a newspaper almost like folded up to like... Because yeah. um, the PDF is ridiculously huge. Yeah. You don't get it in the mail? No, no. I can't remember where I got it. I think maybe I uh, saw it on Twitter or something. And but... I think they pack it in their games, too. It's been a while since I bought it, but I got <laughs> yeah, mine in the mail Yeah, it's been a while recently. since I bought a Compass game. <laughs> All right. So let's... The uh, see a lot of the late 2022, late 2022, early 2023. Atlantic Sentinel sounds cool, but it's like 
I don't know how much faith to put in these games. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the games, they, they look interesting. I mean, I've heard, except for the production issues, I've heard more, more positive things about Blue Water Navy. Now they got Blue Water Navy 2 coming out. I want to. I have Blue Water Navy. I just need to. Yeah, I don't. I still think it sold as well. I think the rules are a little. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I haven't heard glowing things, but the people that have played it, I've heard you know more positive than negative about it. They have a American Insurgency game coming out. Could be interesting. Could be bad as well, though. Yeah. I'm trying to just see like Atlantic Sentinels jumps out at me, but that's um that's not the guy that did Zeppelin Raider, is it? I know, and now we're skipping back and forth, but Atlantic Chase is going to be reprinted, which is Ooh, good. Oh, shit. See? I, I hear you're looking for a copy. <laughs> no, I own it. I, that's, oh, you did get it. That's right. That's right. You did get it. I don't yeah. have it, but. Um, okay. So, the guy that made Zeppelin Raider. Obviously, smart guy and can design more games, and that's great. But Atlantic <laughs> Sentinels is like another trap because I think the cover looks great. Yeah. And then I see it's uh, it's a uh, it's a solo game from the same guy who did Zeppelin Raider, so it's just mm-hmm. kind of like, like all the DVG games. Brothers at this War is... sounds kind of interesting. Brothers at War by Christopher Moeller is a game with four maps, featured different historical battle games. Uh, it's Cornfield Battle, so Antietam, South Mountain, Mill Springs, and. Bloody Valverde, War in the Territories, huh? So, Civil War game. Is that Christopher Moeller? Is that a name that sounds at all familiar to you? Mm-mm. Me either. Could be good, though. Enemy Action Kharkov is still on pre-order. Saying that's early 2022. That... Enemy Action Arden, I've I've never heard anything bad about that game. And it's, okay. it's one or two players, but I've never, never played it, but I've never heard anyone say anything bad about it. It's John Butterfield. Huh, Napoleon Eagles 2. Napoleon Eagles sounds familiar. That's another game by Christopher Moeller. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that name before. And it looks interesting. This is good radio as we stare at an advert. I, know, yeah. I just, none of I these, know, like. I, mean, I, I hate to just shit on a company, but I, I'm not going to buy a Compass game until I have played it and see someone else, you know. Um, there's just, there's too many good GMT and MMP games out there and Revolution games that Compass yeah. has, has sort of, um, they they've lost the uh the the pre-order from me i agree i agree and then i think they have so they have this game on their granada um which i've seen at the friendly local game store i just like i need to get some feedback on it but you don't see a lot of i don't know there's there's some gems out there for sure all right um let's talk about gmt monthly update they got stuff coming out too not as much seems like their updates recently haven't been huge which they are what they are. Um, I know they're having some shipping problems as well. I, and I wonder if they're like tailoring that up. One could be shipping, and then two. I think there's so much stuff in the queue that they probably don't need to. Yeah, you know, that like could be. let maybe let it clear out. I have no idea, but maybe let it clear out a little bit before. Like, why announce ten games if yeah. you're still twenty five games deep? Oh, speak, uh, speaking of GMT pre-orders, I wasn't playing it, but right behind us uh, when we were playing, I think it was when we were playing Flat Top, somebody, they had uh, Into the Woods, the nice. GBACW game that is not out yet from GMT, but they, I think the designer was there actually. 
the, the Richard scenario, Berg. scenario designer. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be... <laughs> I had to correct myself quickly. All right, so uh, two things. Two of the three games really caught my eye. Baltic Empires um, did did not. And not saying it's bad, it's just... Yeah, I don't... Yeah, when I see the Northern Wars of 1559 to 1721, I just go, huh, okay. I don't know anything about that, so... Yep, it could be one that I'll wait to hear and, on. Yeah. And also, I know it's not the real map, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't even publish that one. <laughs> oh. It I looks like a that. children's play mat. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of does. Oh, boy. Uh, there were two games that look awesome, though. Uh, so, yes, Last 100 yeah. Yards, Volume 4, Russian sure. Front. Which is which. this is well, the first I've heard of that. Did you know I, about that one? I honestly, I didn't. I mean, it doesn't surprise me, but I hadn't heard anything until I saw that. I couldn't remember if he... I think he said something about it, and so I just, like, assumed that I hadn't. But okay. I think he had said something just about, like, the Russians coming into play. Okay. Um, but all the other talk was more about um, Solomon Islands. Yeah. So that's cool. And then the other one is using the Sekigahara system, and this is 1980s Afghanistan. Yeah, which definitely has my interest peaked. For sure. I'd so like to, how they I, describe it. I would like it, to know more. <laughs> they worded as, Bear Trap is certainly not a clone of Sekigahara. They're very different games with difference in topic, feeling mechanism, despite having an underlying shared game system, including the loyalty aspects, which makes total sense. Yeah. And it's only two to three hours playtime. So, yeah, that's like a, I'm in on that one for sure. I'm not in on that one for sure yet, but I'm keeping an eye on it. Looks interesting. I haven't looked at the map yet. I'm pulling it up now. Yeah, that's, I hope that's a play test as well. <laughs> uh, pretty cool, though. And I didn't see anything that was like urgently shipping that I, that got my. No, and that's kind of what I was talking about. I know they're having some production problems everyone is but yeah i'm not it doesn't look like they're moving through their queue super quickly which it is what it is it's not just them it's you know i go to the grocery stores and i see empty shelves there too yeah i think um we went through this a little bit last time but i think the only one that's like coming out real soon like about to get on a boat is um almoravid yeah and Still haven't played Nevsky. <laughs> now, I think I backed Almoravid. I don't think I did the third one, which I think we talked about before. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. GMT and Compass update. I mean, if, if those things come out from Compass, that's great. Um, and then we'll see the GMT stuff eventually. But all sounds good. Any other, any other hot news? Oh, I guess this is groundbreaking today. There's an MMP sale coming up on Friday. Oh, yeah, yeah. But no details yet, right? We were talking no about details. that, but I think the consensus, I feel this way. I think you were saying the same thing. It's probably not going to be anything that I haven't already bought. So, Right. That's that's the tricky thing. Unless they find a copy of DAC 2 or some hassle scenarios or Battle Above the Clouds. Like, I don't know what, and someone else said this, like, what imprint from EMP that I want to, that I don't have. Right. So... Now, I have I did buy like they have a samurai game. I don't remember what the name of it is, but like that was really cheap in a sale and I grabbed it. I haven't pulled it out though. So maybe there's something like that that'll Yeah. Those are the out. kind of games like 
I know it's MMP, but when GMT does their sale, often they'll, you know, there'll be something that'll be like, hey, it's 15 bucks, and I'm already ordering these other three, three games, so why not? Right. And I've got some of those games sitting on my shelf that I've never played, but I don't really regret buying them. Right. Yeah. I'll, someday, once yeah. I retire. Yeah. Actually, this is a nice transition to our questions for the show. Uh, because one of our questions comes from me. Uh, so we're going to, I booked a cabin for us just for the family to go get away. Um, yeah, we did that last year. It was fun. Just someplace with a great fireplace. We're going to take the kiddo down, the in-laws, and then I'm going to go down a day early, take the dogs, get the fire going. And so all night and then into the mid morning, whenever they show up or after my daughter's nap, whenever they're coming down. Um, I'm just going to play a war game. And so I thought I'd ask you, like, what would your... And we've, we've had this question before, like, Desert Island game or, or you know, something to that effect. But, like, for right now, if you were doing this, if you were going to a, a cabin in the winter and, you know, had a 24-hour period to just play whatever game you want solo, what would you pick? Uh, Right now, I'm deep into BCS. I, I've been, I've had Planters last stand on my table for over a month now. It mm-hmm. might still be that one, or I might switch to another OCS game. Um, although, lately, I've sort of been getting that itch for GCACW again. So, okay. it would be one of those three systems. I would say either BCS, OCS, GCACW. I would pick a game from one of those three and play it. Nice. So Panzer's Last Team was one of the first things that came to mind, just because you've talked about it so much. Yeah. It looks great. Something I want to play. But then my mind drifted to Line of Battle. Yeah. Um, And then what I've kind of settled down, I've actually went a completely different direction. I'm thinking either Second Fleet or... How well Solo? Because I was, you know, obviously with me playing Flat Top, I was looking at my copy of Sixth Fleet just today thinking, oh, I wonder how well that would Solo. I think okay because I think you know where things are. Okay, it's just a matter of detection. Yeah, like do so your kind of like a next war. I believe which isn't huge gosh, naval, been... but it has naval rules for detection and everything. Yeah, I mean it's it's way more than right. that. Um, right. it, but now it's been so long since I we played Seventh Fleet that I don't think there's hidden units. I think it more becomes down to detection, but gosh, it's been so long. I don't. I certainly don't remember anything hidden, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. And then the other game I was thinking about was GMT's Operation Mercury. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I'll I'll pick something, or maybe I'll just get something brand new and throw all these things on the shelf and <laughs> shun them. So. Uh yeah, there you go. Uh, we had another question, which uh, was a follow up to AAC Con. Jason asks, "What's your <laughs> go to?" hangover cure so i don't really get hung over um but i guess it's just water for me honestly i i never yeah it's i don't it's just not something that really affects me too badly but i think it's just drinking a lot of water for me yeah you know i've never been a hair of the dog guy just because like (laughs) if if i get to the point where i'm hung over then it's like (laughs) the last thing i want to do is relive that yeah so the trick is is to like just hit it hard at like 1 p.m and then by like 6 p.m be so far gone that you just start (laughs) pounding water till you're like sober at 9 p.m and then just go to bed at a normal time and you'll be perfectly fine and just feel like death the next day so drink earlier that's right day drinking is your friend that's right (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's just like greasy food and, uh, like I, I find <coughs> juices help me 
tomato juice and stuff. Yeah, I never tried that, but maybe. But, uh, yeah, I've never been a hair of the dog guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk about some other stuff. So, yeah, we uh, were talking about spooky stuff last month. Yeah. Have you, uh, you had any follow-ups on that? So I read the complete Blackwater saga. Yeah. Okay, this, this is the Beetlejuice guy in, in Nightmare Before Christmas, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. And I, I did Elementals last year, super good. And so yeah. this was like a five-volume book set that he published over a matter of years. And it follows this one family in deep south Alabama. And it, it never has this, like, great, spooky, like, epic payoff. Or it never really reaches a climax. But it has these, like, really freaky moments all throughout. And it's more of, like, following this family's legacy over 80 years. And it's just so well written. And, like, the characters are, like, so weird and interesting. And then, like, something creepy happens. It's kind of like, did you watch Haunting of Bly Manor? So interesting you say that. Um, my wife and I just started watching The Haunting of Hill House. Okay. Which is I, that, I know The Haunting is like a series kind of, isn't it? Well, kind. it's made or, from the same people. So okay, that's, you have Haunting yeah. of Hill House, The Haunting of Blind Manor, and then uh, Midnight Mass are all made by the same people. Yes, and Midnight watch- Mass. Is, so we were going to watch them in the order they came out, which is yes. why we're still watching Hill House. Do it. And it's really good so far. Hill House <laughs> is legitimately one of my favorite yeah. Definitely my favorite horror thing. Yeah. Like top two and like one of my favorite TV shows. I love Honey and Hill House. So good. I like Bly Manor. A lot of people didn't. I just think Bly Manor is more, it's gothic horror. So it's okay. more like these characters and their interactions in these spooky settings. It's not as like scare the shit out of you as Hunting the Hill House. And then Midnight Mass was just as good. I don't know how to feel about it, but like I love all three of them. And so this is kind of like last year I read the other one that was like really creepy with like haunted houses. Mm-hmm. And this to me is kind of like what Bly Manor is to Haunting the Hill House. Okay, I, I loved We're it though. I gave it our fu- way through those. So oh, dude, I I can't and that I can't wait to hear what you think about them. I yeah. love. Are you looking? This is not a spoiler. There are hidden ghosts in the background of a whole bunch of scenes. Oh, really? No. That's have you awesome. seen any? I have not, but well, I don't know. I mean, maybe I mean, there well, there have definitely been times that I've thought like, are they putting that in there or something? You know what I mean? Yes. Um, but I'll keep an eye out for them for now. Yes, keep an eye because like we watched the first time when it first came out, uh-huh. and I was like, Kat, did you see that like yeah. guy or something like that?" She's like, "No." <laughs> but then we found out afterwards, it's like, here's all the hidden ghosts in Haunting the Hill House. Yeah. And again, it's not a spoiler, but it's like, those creepy motherfuckers. Yeah. So we're recording this like a week for Halloween. My daughter's been asking. And I, this could be a good question for you. I know, obviously, your daughter's much younger than mine are. But um, my 12-year-old daughter was like, I want to watch something scary. And she starts like listing off names of stuff. She's like, well, well what about Scream? I'm like, no, you're, that's a slasher. That's not... So I was trying to find something that's appropriately scary for a 12-year-old. And she was asking me, she said, well, what do you like? And I said, I like stuff where you don't you don't see everybody getting killed. You just see everybody who thinks that they're about to get killed. <laughs> that's like my my horror level right there. I don't I don't really like slashers. Um, like my favorite, my probably my favorite scary movie of all time is Paranormal Activity. Okay. What because, are your... Th- I mean, there is obviously spoiler one bloody scene at the very end but most of the movie it's just like people that they know something is about to happen to them i love it have have you seen tucker and dale versus evil no 
Okay. It is probably my favorite horror movie, but it is a comedy. Yeah. But it is also a horror movie. And, like, I probably wouldn't show 12-year-old just because it's so gory. That's something you and your wife should watch. Yeah. It is so fucking funny. And, like, that's my, like, like well, last year when Co was on, we had, like, another couple. And we just sat out by the fire and, like, yeah. did the whole COVID thing. And she hates scary movies. I was like, just <laughs> do Tucker and Dale versus Evil with me. It's got, what's his name from uh, Firefly, the pilot. Oh, Wash? Yeah. Okay. One thing my she did see, I didn't watch it with her. She watched it with her mom and her sister. But um, And I think it probably does fit that category, although they just finished it, is Gravity Falls. Okay. I think that's like thriller horror for kids. From yeah, what I saw. I've it. only seen a little bit of it. Have, and this may be too young for her. And I want to watch it with my wife beforehand. I love the Muppets. But like, you know, there's <laughs> a Muppets Haunted Mansion out now, right? Is there? No, I didn't know about that. Yeah, it just came out on Disney+. Plus. Okay. Check so, I mean, I'm sure that's good for a 12-year-old. I, yeah. I mean, it's probably not what she's looking for. But, yeah. Uh, 12's a weird age, you know. Yeah. I, I would not do Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, and I would not do <laughs> Haunting the Hill House or any of the... Uh, no. Man, I can't... <laughs> yeah, I, but I even check... just thinking about Haunting of Hill House makes me want to go watch some more now. <laughs> so does, like, how do you guys do... Tonight. hand uh, Like, if you did Paranormal Activity, then, like, so you must be pretty okay with horror stuff. Like, being scared, I guess. Or uh, Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. and... and I just, I don't like, I don't like stuff where it's just like, you know, Friday the 13th, stuff like that. I'm not interested in oh, it. Just, man. we watch, we watch Halloween, the original every year. Do just you? About. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm a, I love Halloween. And then I know they did the most recent one. We'll probably watch it cause it's free on Peacock, but yeah, like the other most recent one, the one they did before this one was like the perfect ending to it. And anyways. Uh, so if you like scary stuff, then I think you'll like, because I was telling my sister-in-law about how much I like Haunting the Hill House, and she's like, I got through one episode and like, I, I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't do it. Oh, and, and we finished, um, uh, oh, well, caught up anyway, Appalachian, uh, go, old ghost, oh, go, nice. old, old gods old of gods. Appalachia. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Finally caught up or, you know, they're, they're having more come out, but we're caught up now, except for all the extra stuff that we're not paying for. <laughs> oh yeah 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 you can't loved, do this to i love the can't, ending though don't tell i'm not done i'm not oh, done okay with season, okay i'm not done with season two um oh man i'm actually like well i mean i so can't really talk about it's it, not but. a spoiler or anything but it's actually pretty cool after season two they have a couple extra episodes where they uh talk and answer listener questions and stuff too and that's pretty cool I have, I'm looking, not including the bonus episodes, I have six episodes left of Old Gods. So you got a while to go. Yeah, I do. Um, but now, see, now you've got me thinking about the Haunting series. <laughs> Man, I gotta tell you, and this isn't a spoiler, um, Midnight Mass is the newest one, and it deals masses it indicates like it is centered around a catholic church and i grew up catholic and right. it, it was really it was pretty interesting like to have those ties i don't know it's just another hook for it to uh plus it's got um the quarterback from friday night lights and so oh, like, i kept it. turning to my wife and i was like yeah you know just... yeah well the guy that told me about midnight mass uh, he's actually a friend of ours who's a pastor so he's a lutheran pastor not catholic but it's like oh it's so good yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's pretty good uh, uh, so there you go. Yeah. Um, complete Blackwater saga was five out of five for me. It's like 32 hours of listening, but the narration's great. 
I think you can buy like collected volumes to read it now. There's no like, whoa, what a crazy moment. It's more of just this like culmination of this creepy, crazy fish lady that like adopts this town and the things that happened to her family throughout that. And like there are ghosts and spooky stuff, but it, it was just good. But I can't explain why it was so good. Yeah. Um. Oh, but, and then I mean, I, that's what it's all about, though. It's it's about how it makes you feel. Yes, I mean we can go back is. to that talk about how we rank our games, but the same, it's the same thing with how how these uh, how a horror show makes you feel. You can't necessarily describe what makes it good, but it scares you. It it gets you in that edge of your seat. <laughs> Did it just get cold in here? Is there a ghost breathing down my neck? Sort of feeling. But but then just as a counterpoint, that it wasn't that. It was the blind manner. Like this is emotional. Yeah. Again, it wasn't scary. There were some scary moments, but like you're right. I mean, that, and I guess that's why we read fiction and play the games we do and all that stuff. Um, I was, I was gonna, that was gonna be my transition to something. Now I completely forgot. So, um, yeah, it's not coming to me at all. Uh, have you? How have your blues been doing? We need to talk hockey. The blues are un the freaking feed it they are four and oh currently playing the kings and i haven't checked the score but yeah blues that's, are looking great that's almost as good as the five and oh carolina hurricanes <laughs> who beat the toronto maple leaves yeah. tonight S- stanley cup preview <laughs> i'll take that although i want canes and winnipeg so the deal with winnipeg is like they've looked great but like Hellebuck's allowed some weak-ass goals, and, like, our penalty... Like, I say they looked great, but, like, our penalty kill is awful. Like, it is atrocious. We're just letting everything in on the penalty. Yeah. Like, it is so bad and so frustrating. Now, part of the problem is, is, like, Wheeler got COVID after game two, and Shifley was still serving his suspension from the playoffs. And it's like, you're missing your two stars. When Wheeler did play, it looked old as hell. Um, And, like, so I think those things will settle down. I think the... I think the Blues and Jets will both make it to the playoffs out of the Central. Um, I, and like, I just don't, the Canes are playing like I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a line. Uh, I'm going to make a bold prediction. I don't think these two teams are both going to go undefeated this year. Uh, Maybe Carolina. one of them. <laughs> <laughs> Not both of them. <laughs> you know what? You're probably right. Unless you want to give me 10,000 to 1 odds because Kevin Malone says if anyone gives you 10,000 to 1 odds, you, you always take it. Take no matter off. what. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, not, it's, um, I'm just so glad hockey's back. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, we were talking, you know, the subject of baseball came up recently and, and, and I always say I'm not a baseball fan, but I'm a Cardinals fan. So like once the Cardinals are out, I, I just don't care that much anymore. I'm almost never going to watch a baseball game if the Cardinals are, are not in it. So, but hockey, I just love the hell out of hockey. Oh man. And then. Like I, so we were NHL TV subscribers before, but yeah. you know, like ESPN Plus has just made it so easy to watch. Yeah, I can't watch Blues games, which is fine because I don't like Blues anyways. Is it because you're too close? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we're technically we would we get the Blues games on uh, Bally Midwest or whatever it is now. Right. Uh, but like I watched the Kraken home opener, and I don't know. It's just it seems so much easier. That I haven't had the issues that I always have with NHL TV. The one thing I don't like is there's not a like the Canes start at six, and so usually I start them after my daughter goes to bed. There's no start from the beginning button. Yeah, which well, would the, be I mean, nice. Just but. in general, the Blues are in the Western Division this year, so 
It's going to be a lot of late games. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, the Jets are on, like, a three-game California yeah. away trip this week. It's just like, <laughs> those are brutal. Like, when the Kraken had their first game, it's like they started at 9 o'clock, and I'm pretty strict about going to bed at 10 o'clock. It's like, okay, cool. I can watch an hour, and then time for bed. Yeah. It just feels good. I'm I'm feeling good about this season. We had our hockey opening party, and, it, like, bonfire, outdoor hockey, it just felt – it all felt right. Yeah. The Blues have a couple players in particular that are better when they have a chip on their shoulder, Bennington and Tarasenko, and both of those guys are kind of pissy right now. So, <laughs> Yeah. I've, well, so we, we have a uh, fantasy hockey league for uh, the History on the Table hotties, and uh, I've got Bennington. And yeah. he's just right in my bench. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not, I mean, the Blues defense is not great, which is probably hurting his numbers, but hey, can't beat four wins. Well, I guess you can if you get five. <laughs> <laughs> that is a way to beat four wins. You're right, sir. <laughs> the math the math checks out there. Uh, nice. Anything else you got to add? Anything, anything new? Uh, Halloween plans? Like, do you guys, what do you guys do on Halloween typically? trick-or-treating around the neighborhood i think nice. my older daughter's going to come in from mizzou she'll take the little one trick-or-treating so usually i drag my fire pit around to the front yard just get a little fire going and hand out candy nice yeah we're gonna take holly camping or not <laughs> we're taking her trick-or-treating for the first time yeah on sunday but we're just kind of going <laughs> this guy in our neighborhood he he puts all these skeletons out my daughter's like not afraid at all it's like this huge thing <laughs> i've gone on I went on five walks this weekend with that kid, just to, like do something, oh. and then like, but we all go, we go see the skeletons each time, and then I've ran into him a few times. He's like, "Hey, we added some bats," and then like, he's just so excited. And we weren't gonna go to the neighborhood, but he's like, "Oh, we'll see you in a few days." It's like, all right, we gotta stop by their house because he's like, he's just so happy about all the skeletons, and she just cracks up every time she sees them. Yeah, my older two, when they were little, they were so scared of everything. Oh really? We, yeah, like. We could not take them into a store like Walgreens starting in like, <laughs> you know, August or something because they started putting over Halloween decorations and the kids were scared to death of them. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, Ollie, like if you walked in the room, she would be super shy and turn away from you. But like ghosts and giant spiders and stuff, she just, she loves it. Mm. But we'll, we'll do some trick or treating this year uh, for the first time, which should be, should be a yeah. lot of fun. Yep toddlers are cute as hell so she'll get a they're lot of candy. also <laughs> i get the terrible two <laughs> well, thing well they're, now. they're cute they're cute when they're walking up to your door in a costume <laughs> there you go <laughs> you know yeah not when they're kicking the you parents before that bedtime. have to deal with that costume before and afterwards so right yeah uh the last thing i'll, I'll just get before we close is so we're making progress on historic fest 2022 um we just have we're finalizing the venue, getting proposals from a few different spots. We sent out a survey, so things are looking good. I expect a date announcement soonish, um, and then we'll we'll have an early bird discount. There really wasn't one last year because we had like the 2020 registries. I wasn't going to redo that, so we should have a. Uh, um, my goal is to have cheaper ticketing. That's on promise, but just with like bringing vendor in. All this other new stuff we want to try to accomplish, yada, 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 whatever. We'll definitely have early bird discounting, which will be cheaper than last year. Then hopefully tickets cheaper than last year. All that good stuff. Revamped new events, all that kind of stuff. 
Yep. Hope I can make it. Like uh, we're talking earlier, but February and August are going to be my bad months next year, but I'm already looking for ways to get out of that. So we'll see. (laughs) Work? Is that work stuff? Yeah. Yeah. We're doing upgrade and go live at the same time twice next year. So it's going to be hell. I know. How how fun. (laughs) Yep. But I've already, I've got feelers out for another job with the, the project management office. So we'll see how it goes. Well, good luck. Yeah. All right. Anything else? No. Um, we're going to be playing at uh, at we our STL War Gamers. We're going to meet up at Miniature Market in November for our monthly game day. We're going to play uh, BCS. So we're just going to have like a learn to play BCS game. So if you're in St. Louis or St. Louis area or you feel like flying into St. Louis to have me teach you BCS, <laughs> please do it. Um, you know, yeah, um, I know Mitch and I are both planning on teaching BCS specifically that day. So hopefully we'll get a good turnout. I almost text, you know, bring it up now. I was like, I booked the cabin and it's like, you know, it's central Missouri or whatever. I yeah. Was like, Man, I wonder if I should like, wonder if I should take rich like maybe he can take thursday afternoon off come you know i'm gonna be in a, it's got like six bedrooms or some shit like that it's like yeah. i'm gonna be the only one there and then it's like it's further like i feel like i'm driving across the state but it's further from st louis than it is like kansas city it's like uh yeah <laughs> so that's that i was like maybe i'm gonna be right by him it's like three and a half hours so yeah that is a nice thing about missouri in general though is there are a lot of nice it's probably most places in the u.s but there's a lot of nice little cabins that you can rent for a weekend and have a really good time yeah southern missouri in the the fall and winter uh-huh. is like it's cold but then you also like you just get these you know impressive bluffs and yeah um yeah it's cool missouri's okay <laughs> but then we went to washington and it's like man missouri's lame is like i love living <laughs> in kansas city but it's like Oh, cool! Like I can go to this like gorgeous mountain with all these ridiculous-looking trees, and then climb, go up this giant-ass mountain, and then drive a you know three miles over, and it's oh, I'm at the ocean again. It's like awesome because we're fucking flat and have nice sunsets and plains, but it's still pretty boring compared to. All right, yeah, it's it's tough to beat mountains and ocean together. Yeah, yeah, it is. All right, folks, that's gonna do it for us. Uh, a couple things: if you want to ask a question for the show you should join our discord channel channel where we have all kinds of different little chat topics uh you can talk about war games you can talk about miniature painting share your pictures ask podcast questions all that stuff or you can hop on there to join us for our patron chat which is going to be friday november 12th at 8 p.m central uh just join our patreon and then uh there's a patron chat channel on our discord you can do all those things if you join a patron you can recommend a game for the reward game ever list all that fun stuff just patreon.com slash history on the table uh if you got any questions for the show you can shoot us an email history table podcast at gmail.com history table podcast at gmail.com you can find rich and i both on twitter i'm at history table pod i am trapeer jr you will find me liking every time the blue score a goal beautiful it's hockey season folks all right uh that's gonna do it for us Good night, everyone. Come to St. Louis, play BCS.